Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. So most of you know I am in the de disinflation camp, but I found some data today that I think represents a very good argument for why inflation will go back up. Most of you have been watching my videos, so you know that month over month, inflation, the CPI number, pretty much collapsed in July of 2022, and it's remained very, very low. So if the next six months of CPI numbers are similar to the last six months, the headline CPI number will go from 6.5, probably down under 3%, believe it or not. And I, I think that's probably my base case. But again, I saw this chart and I was actually in the gym and it kind of just dawned on me. I'm like, wait a minute here, wait a minute. Because I remember that M2 money supply has been going down. I thought to myself, well, wait a minute. If M2 money supply has gone down and nominal GDP is still going up, that must mean that velocity is increasing at a very significant pace, which as you guys know, would be very, very rare because velocity has been going down pretty much in a straight line for quite literally decades. So let's go over to this chart, or actually a few charts here, and then we'll go over the top three reasons why I think you could see another spike in inflation. Just understanding, again, that that isn't necessarily my base case, but obviously it is a possibility. So this is the personal savings rate. This is what, how I was trying to kind of reconcile in my head how we have had this increase in uh, we'll just focus on M1 or M2, and then this decline in velocity. I said, well, if that's true, then the savings rate would have to go up. And this chart is a little misleading because you've got this massive spike. So the chart goes all the way up to 35%, almost 35%. So we do see, so this increase in the savings rate doesn't look like much on the chart, but it's actually significant. Because prior to the GFC, we we're about 3%. And just prior to the Cerveza sickness, we were, call it 9%, roughly. That's a big increase. And I think that would, in part, explain why we can have the velocity of M1 money stock, which I think is, is probably the best representation of how many currency units are actually chasing goods and services. You know, it is true that M1 and M2, that doesn't even come close to quantifying how many dollars are actually in the system domestically and of course outside the United States in the euro dollar system and even within the United States there's so many dollars that are not accounted for that are on banks balance sheet interbank dollars let's call them that are in the shadows that's not going to show up in a checking account that's not going to show up in currency and cir circulation it's not going to show up in any of these metrics but then you have to ask yourself the question, okay, is that really low velocity money or high velocity money? And even though M2 in reality or the actual number of dollars in the United States may be double what M2 would suggest, how does that impact the CPI? Does it impact the CPI? I'm sure it does, but to what degree? And is it significant if those dollars that are, let's say, in the shadows on banks' balance sheets aren't out there chasing goods and services, whereas the, the the dollars that are represented by M2, and especially M1, are definitely out there in the economy chasing goods and services. So this obviously is my, my, my top reason, and it's also something I wanted to bring to your attention because no one else is really talking about it that I see. So 
M1, which is a more defined measurement, that's really kind of checking account balances and, and currency and circulation, went down from, call it 10.7 or so, to just before the Cerveza sickness, call it 5.2. And again, that chart that we just went over that showed the increase in savings rate could explain some of this. But now what I want to point out is as of the latter stages of 2021 and in 2022, when M1 is going down and M2 is going down, the velocity is actually picking up. And I, I really hesitate to put too much emphasis on velocity because, man, there are so many variables that go into this. And this is just showing us kind of a snapshot, a, a very narrow snapshot of an overall picture. It's like a, a puzzle that you have all laid out on the table, but you've only got like 20% of the pieces. So I hate to put too much emphasis into this, but I definitely think it is something that we should be thinking about, should be on the radar. So if we can assume that a lot of M2 went from, or even a lot of M1 maybe, went from lower velocity money into higher velocity money, and this is a trend that we see continue, if in fact we see M2 start going back up, now why, would I don't know, maybe that's the TGA, maybe that there's a lot of factors there, but the M2 and M1 historically go up. Very rarely do they decline. So if we go back into that type of trend, although we're not there right now, while at the same time, velocity starts increasing because you've taken low velocity dollars and put them into high velocity dollars. So in aggregate total, velocity starts to uptrend. That could be very inflationary if we're specifically talking about consumer prices and the CPI. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So let me just kind of outline how we'd go from taking that low, those low velocity dollars and turning them into high velocity. So let's just say that we've got uh, people that have a lot of savings and the government comes out and issues a lot of bonds. And let's just say that it's the average Joe that has a lot of savings that are buying those bonds. Well, then they just had those dollars in savings. They weren't really circulating. Uh, you could say that maybe they're going to investment or into a money market fund, into re repo. Okay, but just to kind of keep it 
down to the basics here. Technically, that money was out. It wasn't out chasing hot dogs and cars and Ubers and, <laughs> and, and restaurants and whatnot. So you've got the average Joe had some savings, gave that savings basically to the government. That savings, let's just say that's low velocity dollars, which would be represented in M2, maybe even in M1. And then the government, Janet Yellen takes those, sends those out in the form of, let's just say, stimmy checks. Then those go to people that are really, really living to paycheck to paycheck. They don't have any savings whatsoever, and they're out there spending it. So you've just taken that $1,000 from the average Joe that's just sitting in his checking account, let's say, and then you give that to Moody the Millennial, who is out there, bam, 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 spend, 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 because she wants to go on vacation, or, or they want to go on vacation and take pictures of themselves that they can post on Instagram, and get a bunch of likes. Woohoo! But that takes those low velocity dollars, turns them into high velocity, which in aggregate total, although this M2 or M1 doesn't fully represent the overall amount of dollars in this slice of what we can see, it would make sense as though this increase in velocity, if in the future we combine it with an increase of M2 or M1, could could be a significant tailwind to consumer price inflation. So that's reason number one. Reason number two would be an increase in commodity prices. That's pretty much a no-brainer. But since that is an input cost for everything, but what most people believe is that because it is an input for everything, if the price of those commodities, let's say oil goes up, then we have to have consumer price inflation in aggregate total. And that isn't necessarily true because I, I believe that it has, the CPI has a lot to do, or excuse me, a long-term upward trend in CPI, be very specific, has a lot to do with the amount of currency units. Why? Because if your gas price goes up, you, you, that's very inelastic demand. You have to put gas in your car to get to work, to do all these things. So you're going to be robbing Peter to pay Paul to make sure that you pay that rent check, you buy food, you buy gas, et cetera. So you're going to buy fewer clothes. So it is true that you could see a lot of prices in the economy go up. But if you're not at the same time increasing the amount of currency units, then it's hard to see how in aggregate total, the entire basket of prices would go up. So from that standpoint, I'm a little bit of a monetarist, although I do understand how if you had enough businesses going bust, let's say with clothing, that the only businesses that would be left producing t-shirts would be producing t-shirts for the wealthy, and therefore the average price of a t-shirt would go up even in this environment where you had the same or even fewer amount of currency units. I just think that that outcome is uh, less probable and happens over the long term. But it is very, very true that we do get, we could get big spikes in, in certain consumer prices as a result of oil just skyrocketing. Who knows? Hopefully we don't, but maybe tensions escalate with Russia and we've got this crazy Chinese balloon and we've got now it, it, it may be the case that uh, we've got solid proof that the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, a lot of geopolitical risk that could increase the price of oil. And then 
get that quick spike to prices again. And then number three would be overall assets. I mean, I'll be the first person to admit that I was way wrong when it came to how high the Fed could raise rates. I thought they wouldn't get above maybe 2.5% or 3%. Why? Because I thought that would bring asset prices down to a level where it would impact aggregate demand so that we would see, let's say, uh, a, a very a strong shock to the economy that would prompt the Fed to pause and or pivot. I was wrong, obviously. We're now at 4.5% and most likely headed higher. And the stock market, especially the S&P, really, it's down a bit, but it hasn't moved much. NASDAQ down huge, bonds down huge, but home prices, although they're down slightly, have not really moved that much. And Lynn Alden put out a tweet just the other day, which was fantastic, where she showed the net worth for the bottom 50% really declined, as you would imagine, from 2007 or so to 2012. So what that is, it's basically a result of home equity being smashed. And then in 2019 to 22, the average net worth of the bottom 50% went way, way up. Or excuse me, maybe the aggregate total of net worth of bottom 50% went way up. Why? Most likely stimmy checks, you know, whatever was going on with the government, whether you didn't have to pay rent or they gave me a direct check or child tax credit, you know, whatever it was. In addition to that, home prices skyrocketing. So I thought that when they rose rates above 2.5%, home prices come crashing down or at least deteriorate to a point where aggregate demand would be affected, where Fed would say, whoa, whoa, whoa we got to put the uh, brakes on these interest rate hikes. But as we've seen, that hasn't, not that it won't in 2023, but as of right now, it hasn't really impacted home prices in aggregate total across the United States. So people still feel rich. They still have a lot of home equity that they can borrow against. So if that continues, then that would be my third reason as to why I would say you could see a another spike up, another wave up in the CPI. Again, I want to be very, very clear that that is not my base case. I'm just giving you the top three reasons why it could happen. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism.